and welcome to the Perfect Review Podcast with Chef and Wack. Inspiring you to be better. Ta-da! Ta-da! Slam, guys. I welcome to episode 21. Uh, my name is Shafina. I'm your host. And today we are joined by uh, Juaria from uh, Friends of Al-Aqsa. You, we've, we've had her on previously, so you should know by now. And we've also got Aisha Ali. Who um, a bit of background on, on Aisha? She's a campaigner, writer, teacher, activist, a bit of everything. We love her, the jack of all trades. Um, so Aisha, um, welcome to the podcast, and Juaria also welcome. Yeah, thank um, you. So Aisha, we'll get started with yourself. So tell us a bit about your background, and um, yeah, we'll just go from there, really. So my background is in education. Um, I've been a teacher for seventeen years, and I was. Originally living in Huddersfield, which is where I met Shafina, um, and I subsequently moved, but we've still kept in touch. Um, and I'm really passionate about human rights. I'm passionate about giving um, the marginalised um, a voice, um, especially uh, women as well, women and children. And I have organised and been part of loads of rallies, lots of Palestinian rallies. I've, I used to go to London regularly. Um, I'd even take my little son when he was little at the time to sort of throw him in a pushchair, get on the train, go to London. Um, so Palestine's always been something that's been really important to me. And obviously for the last um, 15 years now, we're seeing this this occupation. We're seeing, you know, like Shafina just described a few minutes ago, it's an open air prison um, and human rights abuses are carrying on. And obviously the last few days we've seen um, another um, attack by Israel, um, 243 people dead, uh, I think 100 of them women and children. And, and obviously the casualties on the other side as well, um, 12 people dead in Israel, two of them were children. So every single time we, we see something like this, it's on the news, it's on the, uh, you know, in the press. Um, the coverage that generally is, is always biased against Palestine, it's downplayed, um, it's always portrayed as an equal, um, you know, war, equal fight between, you know, two parties that are equally matched when we know that's not the case whatsoever. Um, yes, there's provocation. Yes, there's the, there was provocation this time around with um, um, the Israeli forces entering Masjid Al-Aqsa and, you know, abusing pro- uh, uh, people that were just there to pray and in the holy month of Ramadan as well. And these sm- these skirmishes, they always seem to escalate. And next thing you know, Innocent people are being bombed, innocent people are being killed, and there's always a much higher death rate in Gaza than there is on the other side. And I don't believe in, I mean, I'm sitting here and I'm talking and I've got friends from all all sides, and so many of my Jewish friends reached out to me, my Israeli friends, and said, this is horrendous, the images we're seeing, it's appalling, nobody's supporting this, this is really heartbreaking. Uh, we just want to live in peace, everybody just wants to live in peace. And that's something that just seems to be so elusive for everybody. Um, and one thing I've recognised, I mean, looking at just the last few days with protests and so on, a uh, few weeks, sorry, um, any kind of, um, if we step out a line or there's something that's kind of offensive, it just changes the narrative completely. So one thing that I'm really, really um, keen on stressing is that when we are 
speaking out, which we absolutely need to do. We absolutely need to use our voices and our platforms to to raise awareness of what is going on and to speak out. Um, and to, like I said at the beginning, to give a voice to the voiceless. Uh, but we have to do it in a way that's basically not going to get people to point fingers, not going to um, make people stop talking about what's really going on and start talking about something else. So we have a real responsibility in how we do this. And I know we can't, control everything and we can't make people behave and change etc i mean um i've been a, an organizer for the women's march london for four years and we'd often get people turn up um at the protests with placards really offensive placards really abusive placards um and they'd always be in the press the next day or they'd be on social media and, and so on. So the, the sort of messages that we'd be we would be trying to promote would just get drowned out by a few of these placards. And again, if we were allowing people to protest and we're allowing people to to turn up and share and and join us, you know that's their that's on them as well as as responsible adults and so on. And it's also. Um, responsibility of us as organizers but there's only so much we can do so obviously we've seen what's what was sorry i just need to cancel this call we've seen what's because um, it's my phone is linked to my laptop so it starts ringing weirdly <laughs> um but no i think that we have um, a responsibility um as people, um, as protesters, as campaigners, not to use offensive language, not to use language like, you know, rape their moms and rape their daughters and so on and so on, because that goes against the etiquettes of Islam anyway. As Muslims, we are not allowed to use that type of language, even on a day-to-day -day basis, and let alone against um, people that we're not happy with. And as can, as we saw last weekend, everybody just stopped talking about what was going on in Gaza and Sheikh Jarrah, and they just started talking about this video of these young lads from Bradford, I think they were, driving around um, North Finchley. So again, this is why it's so important to give your voice, but give it in a way that you can't, nobody can point fingers and nobody can say that you're, you're taking attention away from what is really important or what's going on. Yeah, I think uh, you made some really good points there um, about sort of <clears throat> voicing ourselves in a way that um, you know gets our points across. Um, if we're if we're using words that are not right, then obviously it's going to backfire on us. And unfortunately, um, the media they didn't report the hundred and sixty thousand peaceful protesters that way. No, they found the, the four idiots. I'm sorry, I'm just going to call them idiots. So we're going to call them out for what they are, um, and just obviously use that, and that was spread all, all across the news, which. Um, Obviously, it's it's frustrating for us because they are completely they completely go against what you know what we're there for. Um, so in terms of um, you know like so today's discussion sort of point uh, sort of pointing people in the right direction of what we need to do moving forward because um, you know as we were sort of discussing amongst ourselves before um, you know everyone is in quotation marks woken up to what is happening in Palestine. You know people that didn't know PR uh, because unfortunately uh, you know with things like these if they they get obviously when you know when there's active bombing and things you know it does make it to social media and the media um but obviously when, when the bombing stops then you know these things and they sort of get pushed under the rug if you like um whereas obviously you know the palestinians are living this continuously um so i mean obviously now that there's awareness what do you know what can we do um you know obviously we need to voice our concerns but what else um, do you feel that we should be doing um I'll, I'll pass on to Jewelry and then 
I will, I'll go back to you. Yes, so Sharp, you're absolutely right. Um, when something tragic happens, um, we do protest um, to voice. Um, but we also have to remember that this occupation has been going on for the last 70 years or more. Um, so even though it's not in the news, uh, the occupation is still going on. Um, so we have to, what step changes we make, we have to do daily to get a result. Um, and it's not just when it's in the news, but we have to do it every single day. And I think just like Aisha said, um, you know, it's a responsibility um, to do something um, and not stop ourselves from doing it. So um, I think we kind of touched on it um, before. Um, first thing is learn. You can't discuss something if you don't know what to discuss. Um, and I think a lot of the points um, about the protesters, uh, you know, the few idiots, as you said, was probably because they didn't know. They didn't know what was really going on. They maybe didn't know how to express themselves. And they really need to learn as well. A lot of people don't know how to discuss it. Um, so we need to make sure that we are confident enough to learn. And Friends of Alexa have got lots of literature on their website, on their YouTube channel. It's really simple um, to learn. So I don't know what you think of that, Aisha. I agree. I mean, a lot of the, the young people that I speak to, uh, I'm, I mean, I work as a teacher. I've been working within the community as well, talk to young people. I have a 17-year-old son myself and uh, uh, and nephews and so on. And they're just, all they can see is destruction and women and children being bombed. And they have so much raw anger and so much hurt and frustration. And it's not just at... Um, the you know the Israelis for example, but it's also uh, uh, other Muslim countries that are just staying totally silent and watching this unfold. And this is exactly what's happened. You know, the last uh, twelve years, this has happened three times, and. You know, every time we have a period of, you know, where there's bombings and people are being killed and so on. Um, and then there's, like you just said, Javeria, there's radio silence. Once the issue has left the, the airwaves and left the press and the media, nobody talks about it. And it's only people that are uh, active on the ground or who have links and who stay, stay in contact with people um, and can give up-to-date, uh, you know, ongoing um, uh, updates. They are aware, but everybody else, they move on. And going forward, I mean, we talked about the, the boycott and BDS 12 years ago. We talked about it. You know, I organised a convoy to go to Gaza to deliver aid in 2012. I mean, we didn't go in the end, but it was something that's just talking about the logistics and, you know, how do we do this and, and the sort of... Um, uh, the bureaucracy that was involved and, you know, the sort of things that we would have had to deal with, i.e. flying into Cairo and going through the, the Al-Arish port route that, that we, we had originally intended. And this isn't something that's easy because not just it's not just that they're being kept in this, you know, um, this very tight, confined space. And it's not just the Israelis on one side, it's also the Egyptians on the other side as well. So it's not just that one country that's um, that's causing this. It's also the silence of everybody else that's looking on and watching what's going on and not doing or saying anything about it. And, and I do think that it's possible to criticise uh, the human rights abuses is absolutely possible to speak out and say this is absolutely wrong and this sort of behaviour, this sort of bloodshed 
slaughter, whatever you want to call it, is totally unacceptable and still not be anti-Semitic. And this is something that we have always been accused of every time we speak out against Israel. Suddenly we've been labelled anti-Semitic, we've been labelled, you know, um, yeah, or racist and so on, or xenophobic, but we're not because, you know, I've got so many, like I said earlier on, I've got so many friends that are Jewish um, that live not only in the UK, but all around the world. I've got friends who live in Israel as well. And and also I've got friends um, that live in Palestine that are married to Palestinians. Um, you know, there's so many, it's such a complicated situation. And people say, well, you know, if you take a side, you're, you're going against the other side. But you have to speak up for human rights abuses. You just can't stay silent. You can't, you know, there's images of children being pulled out, images of, you know, uh, medical profession, medical professionals being uh, bombed, hospitals being bombed, etc. Et it was roads as well, media outlets and things. And I think and I should speak out against what's happening in Syria. I've spoken out against what's happening in, what's happened in Syria under, you know, Assad's rule. Anywhere where there's human rights abuses, we speak. We need to speak out. That's basically yeah. our as well. And I think you have to remember that Israel is breaking um, or not complying with international law. So it's not an opinion; it's a fact um, that these settlements are 100% illegal, um, and they're denying the Palestinians just basic human rights. So we have to remember that. So if we call them out for this, it's not being anti-Semitic. We're just seeing the facts. Um, you know, I'm so glad that you guys are talking about this because, um, like, sometimes you don't even realize the, the like pr pressure that we have on us not to talk up about Palestine. And from maybe someone from the outside, they're sort of looking at it, thinking, oh, you know, why do Muslims feel scared talking about it? Um, but it's because it, it gets gaslighted, doesn't it, in the media? Oh, you're anti-Semitic. No, I'm not. Um, you know, as a Muslim, our prophet has taught us to to love everybody. Do you know what I mean? Um, and then. So you always like have this subconscious pressure that oh gosh if I speak about Palestine I'll get labelled as this this but you know what I think one thing that like I've learned from both you guys is just just to speak up and speak up for the truth and speak up for the oppressed and you know the more we do it you know uh, the you know the greater impact that's going to have and we just need to be confident um, to to just do it and go for it and obviously. You know, we need to be careful how we conduct ourselves and do it. You know, in a in the right manner. But yeah, we need to just get out there, and just you know, make our voices heard. Um, so we like, how can we? Um, obviously, there's you know, social media and that side of things. I'm gonna I'm gonna point that to you, Aisha, because uh, you're more active on social media. Oh. Um, how 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 can we sort of raise the awareness on social media? I think sharing responsible content is really important um people are going to accuse you and you know what let them i mean today we had dua lipa and um uh, there was a, a, a big agitator in one of the Gigi Hadid and, and Bella as well and they'd, some a, a Jewish organisation had taken an ad out calling them anti-Semitic in, in America and you know Dua Lipa gave a statement sent a statement out straight away I'm not anti-Semitic and I don't accept what you're saying so there seems to be a real shift now, I've noticed this you know, especially last year's um, Black Lives Matter, the, the protests and they had huge Palestinian banners, Free Palestine and so on so I think a lot more people are talking about this, have been talking about this, and 
there's almost like a, a concerted effort to silence but the people are not being silenced and that is really really different that is something very because i've been campaigning i've been talking about this for 20 plus years actually ever since i was at university in bradford um, and i went to my first protest um and so i am seeing a shift i'm definitely seeing a shift but i'm also seeing a lot of irresponsible things online that that aren't helping the 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 whole thing it's just not healthy it's just not helpful um swearing making personal comments and you know saying all these things are not going to help the only way we can help is by using responsible language you know pointing out what just what Javeri had just said that there are international laws that are being broken UN resolutions that are being violated and broken and ignored and these are the sort of things that basically you have to keep on coming back to all the time because these are irrefutable facts these are you can't there's no wriggle room there at all and um and pointing things out i mean i was sent a photo from uh, by a friend of mine who was actually in who's living in israel right now and I don't want to go into it, I don't want to describe it because it's something that was very personal and he sent it to me because, you know, he just wanted to show that this is what they're living as as well. And it was just, when I just saw it, it was just a mother protecting her children. What is the difference between mother? I mean, this is my point. There are people on both sides of the conflict that don't want war, that don't want to suffer, that don't want to live in fear. They just want peace and they want to be able to get on with their lives. And this is a responsibility of, of politicians as well. Our government has con consistently failed to address these issues. The Americans under Trump, the American uh, administration, the Trump administration, sorry, just made the matter 10 times worse, 10,000 times worse by moving the, um, the embassy to Jerusalem and so on. So these are little things that the international community, we need to take a, a much of a, you know, our leaders need to take a, a much more stronger stance and start speaking out about it as well. It's not those only so much we as activists can say and do and use our voices but the real powerful changes and real powerful voices are those of the are those people in power and they need to speak out and i'm not just mentioning the west the west sort of countries western countries but i'm also talking about the arab countries as well so it is something that we can all contribute to but until the people in power they pull their fingers out and they demand long-lasting peace in the region it's not it's just not going to happen and it is possible by the way because look at what's happened in in ireland northern ireland the ira the peace process we've managed it there why can't we manage it here i think the blockade in gaza has to stop um this land grabbing has to stop you know and this land that all these illegal settlements they have to stop so before they start talking about peace they need to stop this there are you know like in gaza shaft we were talking about over 90 percent of the water is not not fit for humans to drink you know gaza was already on his knees and look they bombed it again there's nearly two million people that live in gaza what did they expect you know, so this blockade needs to stop. Um, and I don't think they will ever achieve this peace in Palestine until they have justice and until they give the Palestinians their human rights um, that are, you know, and the seven million, over seven million refugees, give them, you know, back, give them the right to come back to their homes. These are all basic human rights that they are violating. So I know, yes, you know, peace is possible and I hope peace does come, but they need to address these problems you know so they need to give the palestinians um what they've taken and what they've stolen off them 
Uh, yeah, I know. Absolutely. Uh, I agree with the with with that. Like, the, you're not going to get change until you, there's justice, right? Um, so, Jaria, like, I know with Friends of Alexa, you guys have been doing some fantastic work in terms of um, lobby, well, sort of, um, you know, getting the templates out for the um, letters to the MPs. Um, so how is that all going at the moment? Yeah, it's going really well. So um, it's probably the best response we've ever had. Um, a lot of people don't lobby because they don't know how or they don't have confidence. And I think Aisha was touching on that. We need to build up our confidence um, when we're doing something, you know what we're doing. Um, and I think that this time what happened in Gaza, I think it really, really hurt a lot of people and they didn't know what to do. They couldn't understand why is no one holding Gaza, um, sorry, Israel um, accountable for violating, um, you know, international law. And um, so I think they didn't know what to do. And they saw that the MPs have never done it before. But um, Friends of Luxembourg, it's really simple. You stick in your, you know, your post and the letters go. So like I said before, in three days, um, they had 50,000 um, letters sent out to MPs and many MPs had to respond. So, that's amazing. Alhamdulillah, that is amazing. And it also shows that people are paying attention and, you know, they're actively looking for ways of speaking out and doing something. And not everybody's on social media, not everybody wants to be. I mean, I was taking a bit of a break from social media anyway, and I haven't been posting as much I was, as, uh, as I have done in the past. I've, mm -hmm. you know, and people have reached out to me and said, oh, why are you quiet? And some people have even accused me of being, support, uh, of being a supporter of Israel because I'm not criticizing and I'm not speaking out. And it's like there are different ways of, of protesting. There are different ways of asking for accountability not everything you don't need a, a hammer you don't need a, a you know a massive um torah i was going to say to to get your point across there are lots of different yeah. ways of of doing things and writing letters and lobbying your mp and you know sharing what you're seeing sharing it with you know five of the friends and just getting people talking about it is you know it's effective in in, in its own way so not everything, we didn't have social media 20 years ago. We didn't have social media the way we've got now, 10 years ago even. But we were still protesting, we were still speaking out. And that's what we've got to continue doing. And I think just believe in yourself. Believe that you can make a difference. Believe in what these little things that you do will make a huge difference. And I think when you do it, other people look at you and they'll start believing as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, that point, it can't be emphasised enough. Um, I think so much times we we doubt ourselves like oh you know what's one person gonna do what difference am I gonna make um I think was it last week I was on Ikra TV and uh, somebody called in and they said oh you know what what difference does protesting make anyway and uh, just the way the program was we never got to answer that question and yeah, oh, it was so frustrating it. because uh, yeah it, 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 yeah uh, um, yeah absolutely yeah, sorry go on, I'll let you You've just reminded me of something. Uh, we ha we organised the protest in Bradford about, oh gosh, uh, about four or five years ago when Aleppo was being bombed and we had people like live feeds and, and people, it really raised morale. First of all, you know, alhamdulillah, we had something like 1,200 people come in, in the space of two days uh, with protests, with banners, etc., etc. But also, you know, people... 
there can see what we're doing here. And it's really important for, for them to feel that there's people out there that care, that solidarity, that understanding. And, you know, when people, when you're being attacked and you're being bombed and you feel like you're on your own and there's nobody coming to help you, you feel so isolated and you feel everybody, humanity has forgotten you. And yet when you see images of people protesting and speaking out and having, you know, getting banners out and driving around and so on, obviously not, not saying stupid things about women, by the way. Um, yeah. These sorts of things really, really contribute to, to raising, you know, morale and just the emotional well-being of these people. And it's, just, it's a small gesture for them. It's not going to give them food. It's not going to stop the bombs. It's not going to give them better access to water or medical care. But it will make them realise there are people out there that recognise their suffering, that recognise what they're going through. And that's invaluable. So, yeah, when people say, oh, well, what's the point of protesting? I, I get it all the time. Oh, what's the point, um, you know, the weather's this and you're wasting your time and you're doing this and to stay at home and do dua to God, pray to God. That's what I get quite a lot. We'll do, if you pray to God, God will change. But God says you have to do something. You can't just sit on your bum and, and expect everything to land on your lap. You've got to meet me halfway. You've got to go out there and make the effort and then inshallah he will respond. So I get a lot of negativity when it comes to protests and speaking out. I don't know about you, Javeri, but I definitely do. We did a live with um, with a sister in um, Jerusalem. So I've met that sister twice when I've been to Masjid al-Luxa. So she actually works on Masjid al-Luxa um, and she teaches there as well. And um, so the guy had asked a question, friends of Luxa, um, and then he asked um, about the protests that people believe. He didn't even finish his sentence and she interrupted <laughs> And then she goes, when we see those protests, it gives us hope that we're not alone. And I, I saw a video of somebody looking at protests sitting in most of their lives and he was showing it to his friends, that look, this is in this country and this is in this country, and it really gives some hope. And if that is the only reason why we go to our protests, then that's enough, and it's to give them um, hope. And when you go to Palestine, you, tell, like, you can see it, they feel like they're alone. They feel like no one supports them. And they get so happy when they see you that you've come to visit them. Um, and and that, again, it's not, they don't want our money. All they want is to come and visit them so they don't feel alone and um, that we come and keep visiting Masjid Al-Aqsa and see what's going on for ourselves. Excuse me, losing my voice. Uh, not that I've been doing much of the talking, but <laughs> um, so Jay, I was going to sort of move on to um, what can we do in terms of? I know your your um, you always talk about uh, the BDS side of things um, because a lot of the time, like I've been hearing, um, well, I've been getting lots of forwards with things like um, seven two nine. Use that barcode. You know, this will identify the Israeli products. Um, um, and I know, Masha, you're quite knowledgeable with things like that. So, could you sort of give us a bit more information? Yeah, so BDS was a movement that the Palestinians asked for. So they asked the um, citizens of the world that can you boycott these certain products um, that are in illegal settlements, uh, land that should have belonged to the Palestinians. Um, and certain companies, um, they sustain um, this occupation, this illegal occupation. So what we what we know from BDS is that 
we can put thousands of companies down, uh, but when everyone's doing different things, we don't actually have an effect. So it's better that we have targeted BDS. We have a certain selection of companies where we all focus on together and we have a result. So that's why if you go into the Friends at Luxor website, they'll have got what they want us, what they you know think, think that we should put our energy towards. So I think, Shaf, we're on the same groups and we keep getting less and less and less of companies to boycott. And I just look at them and I think, you know, we should grow our own vegetables. <laughs> That's the thing. So I think let's start with the first step change. And that is every time we go shopping, we check the label and we check where it's from. And if you don't know where it's from, why not send an email? Um, ask the company, ask them, um, you know, can you tell me where this product is sourced from? And we do it when we want to check if something is halal, but something we really love eating, but we think, oh, I wonder if it is halal. It doesn't really say to you know, you email the company, don't we? Um, and then we have it on the groups, like, alhamdulillah, Cornetto strawberry flavour is halal now, or whatever. Do you know, so what I'm saying, we should do it for products as well, um, to check um, where are they from, and if they are from the West Bank, from um, Jordan Valley, um, so these areas, then we shouldn't, we shouldn't buy them. And um, I, I don't... <clears throat> I know we were going to go to, into too many specifics with uh, companies, but like on the previous live, we did discuss about Coca-Cola being, um, so, uh, yeah. the factories being on the illegal settlements. Um, yeah. And uh, like the thing with Coca-Cola is it, they have quite a few drinks as well, don't they? So it's not just Coca-Cola that you need to um, yeah. not have. Um, I think it, I, I know Fanta's on the list as well. Um, yeah. So you shouldn't be having fizzy drinks anyway, guys, because they're not good for you. <laughs> so go back to tap water, you save yourself money, and obviously we'll be helping our Palestinian brothers and sisters. Um, mm -hmm. So I think like, um, you know, with what we're saying, I think the trick is um, to do small things, but do them consistently, um, rather than try to, like we said, the list of 200 items, oh yeah, don't have this, don't have this. And like you said, you'll have yeah. to be growing your own vegetables, so uh, by the time you don't, you won't be able to eat anything. Um, yeah. But it, it's about being realistic, because I think with a lot of people, you know, obviously now we see the, these images, these, you know, these horrific, horrific images of, you know, mm. buildings being bombed, babies being pulled out of rubble, just obviously it's absolutely heartbreaking um so you know we're quite sensitive sensitized to what's going on in palestine at the moment but obviously over time the media is obviously going to shut it off um and you know our like motivation will come down so it, it real i mean our and, normal lives yeah, yeah yeah we go back to our normal yeah. lives and um you know we conveniently forget what's going on and you know people on the ground will start rebuilding they'll start rebuilding the houses um it'll take them years um you know that kind of loss of human life and loss of you know medical talent and uh, educational talent as well once once you're dead you're dead that's it then you know i was reading an article on the bbc website actually i shared it on my uh, twitter as well i think where you know a doctor who died and he was a specialist and you know that's like 20 30 years worth of investment and education and contribution to society just gone that's it and that these are the sort of losses that you can't quantify in terms of money and so on it's these are human losses and you can't actually put a figure on them um and yeah a lot of people once the cameras stop rolling and once these images stop appearing online people just 
go back to the normal lives and that's why like you've just said Shafina doing small things but you know things that you can sustain and things that you know you can implement as part of your daily routine is much better than doing one massive gesture and then getting sick you know getting tired and you know giving up after a couple of attempts so it's really important and I like what Duvalier said as well just check um, you know make those small changes and then just carry them through and imagine, Shaf, if in our, in our community, imagine all the takeaways didn't have coke, if the shops never had coke, out of principle, you know, because as Muslims, we are just, you know, we're just people. Um, imagine if we stopped all that as a community, that would be such a big achievement. So if we all focus together, you know, on like Coca-Cola, Puma, um, or HP, these other three that Friends of Luxa have got on their website, if we just all put our energy to that as a community, we can make a big difference. And it feels good to be just, do you know, it, it feels good to know that I didn't buy that because that they sustain or they help the occupation. So I think we that's what we need, we need to empower ourselves to be able to have that confidence to go to a takeaway. And so why do you, why do you Maybe they don't know, you know, and there's lots of free literature that you can give to shops and teach them things. Do you know what, that's, uh, that's literally, as you said that, I was thinking the same thing, that we need to mention the uh, takeaways. Um, yeah. And the other point I was thinking about was weddings. Like, when yeah, else do you yeah. buy so much Coca-Cola? Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's, yeah. it's like the standard thing, isn't it? Have those rows and rows of uh, tables with just Coke on them. How, how, how much of an impact would it have? You know, especially with wedding season coming up, if we just didn't do that, if we left the coke out, um, you know, mm -hmm. how much of a difference would that make? And, you know, it's more like Islamically, like Jewelry always says, you know, you, you check halal, haram, but uncheck the label. Um, you know, it's not just about haram and halal. Obviously, you need to make sure the, the product is ethical, um, you mm -hmm. know, whether that's uh, Palestine or the Yugas or, you know, or, you know, some other sort of slave labor or wherever you know we need to be making these checks we need to make these conscious decisions um because obviously we want to do small things consistently but you know we need to be aware of them of the ethics even with uh, things like chicken you know where is it coming from you know how how is the chicken grown um you know what was it fed what conditions did it live in um you know obviously that's another topic in itself we'll have to come back for that another time but these things we need to be thinking about if we're not already thinking about them um Guys, so we've got a couple of people backstage as well. We've got Matt. Should I pop Matt on, guys? Right, so we've got Matt. Um, Matt, are you still there? Matt's, Matt's on. Matt, you're muted. Matt, can you hear us? <laughs> right, we've got Matt. And then there's also uh, B-Sync. Uh, Aisha, I'm guessing that's one of... Yeah, sorry. So... <laughs> All my friends um, does, it, uh, does he want to come on? Shall I, don't know if he wants to come on. Shall, uh, ask, shall I ask him? Yeah, just ask him if he wants to come on. Saba, says your device is not connected, so I don't know. Um, you need to sort your device out, Saba, if you want to come on. So, Matt, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for waiting so patiently in the back there. Hi there. Can you, can you hear me hey. okay? Yeah, I can hear you fine. So Matt, do you want to just give us a, a, little, a little bit about your background um, and then we'll sort of go from there. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Sorry, my battery might run out. I've had it on charge. It sounds a bit uh, crackly at my end, but uh, I came in I came in the back door. I, I think I came in the wrong link. So thanks very much for having me. So my, <laughs> my name's Matt, you know, 
Uh, I've been I've been thrown into this, so it's it's really great to be here and say hi to everyone. But uh, I've been a I've been a community worker for over twenty years, you know, and uh, you know I've always believed in uh, social inclusion, uh, promoting equality and diversity, and active citizenship, and uh, lifelong learning and people working together. You know, these are my values which I work to, and you know I want to see I want to. Uh, everyone to be able to express their voice and their opinion and contribute to discussion and you know what i would say what i'd add to that is you know i'd like you know obviously to see that done done safely we're talking about a very you know political situation here in uh, palestine and israel you know and me me like everybody you know when when you're when you're looking at images on the news you know you don't want to see any violence you don't see anybody being oppressed you know and we have to care about everyone in those countries you know, Palestinians, Israelis, you know, and here, you know, we want to recognise, you know, the the hurt feeling of uh, the Jewish community and their 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 desire to express their views on the situation. But we also, you know, need to care deeply uh, about Jewish people, Jews in, in the UK, and make sure, you know, that they feel safe and, uh, you know, that we care for them also. Because what we don't want to see is any hate crime, you know, whatsoever. You know, you mentioned the idiots in the car. You know, we don't want to see any, anything like that. We don't want to see any anti-Semitism. We don't want to see any Islamophobia. What we want is an environment where people can talk safely and express their views and opinions. You know, especially a lot of young people that are wanting to do that. You know, us as, uh, you know, older older people, so to speak, or some of us who are leaders in the community, you know, we want to want to set a good example to them. And, uh, you know, it's not about taking sides, you know, it's about finding constructive solutions. You know, we're working with real conversations as well. And what, what we want is a good dialogue between communities. If we're talking about uh, the Muslim community expressing their views, but also the, the Jewish community being able to express their views. But just making sure that every, everybody feels safe. You know, there's the situation that's going on in, the, in Israel, Palestine. But we've got to think about... Uh, in this country, in the UK, you know, we're very lucky to live in the UK. We've got a lot of privileges from living in the UK. So when, when we're when we're talking and uh, debating and discussing and expressing our opinions, I just urge that to be done safely, constructively, and contributing to a, a discussion which helps everybody. And like you know, just to repeat, you know, we don't see any anti-Semitism, any Islamophobia, and we also want to involve everyone in the discussion, all people of all faiths and all backgrounds and take a real interfaith approach to this, you know, and find a way where we can all have solidarity together, whether if you don't have a faith at all, if you, you know, if you're an atheist, if you're a humanist, whoever you are, if you want to contribute to the discussion to do that safely, you know, and, uh, you know, I'll just all finish, you know, you can probably hear that, you know, I'm from Scotland, and uh, by my accent, you may or may not pick that up, but, uh, you know, I've been living in Yorkshire for 11 years, you know, and it's just amazing people here, you know, so let's, Let's represent ourselves well, uh, but in Scotland we obviously had the uh, independence, and they're looking at an independence uh, referendum too. But uh, you know that that independence referendum, Scotland becoming independent. You know, I'm not comparing that uh, directly to Israel Palestine in any sense, but uh, you know that that independence referendum went across. It was heavily debated. There was a lot of discussion on both sides. Uh, but it was done in such a positive way in the UK where there was good dialogue, there was no violence, uh, and, uh, you know, a decision was reached, you know, wh whichever side you're on, and they're looking to be.
Thank you. you. That was lovely. Uh, Joanna, did you have a question for Matt? You know, I said I'm Scottish too, but the, the thing about Scotland is um, Scottish people are not um, occupied by England. We are independent. Many of our laws are our own. Um, we can live there in our own land. We can have our own property. We can have our own gardens. We can go to school. We don't need to stop at checkpoints. Um, so I think it will be easier to have that dialogue uh, because we are right, ourselves. Waking up. Oh, yeah, but I think we're losing you there. And we also have to remember that in London, we had the biggest um, pro-Palestine, um, you know, protest ever in history. How much trouble did we really have? Do you know? So you have to see it in that way too. And um, also in Huddersfield this Saturday, we, we had um, a very diverse protest. Um, and I think we did, we didn't have any trouble at all. Even the police praised us, like just how peaceful we were. Um, and we had lots of people representing different faiths as well. Um, so I think we can't take the focus off how much people have been out protesting and standing up for injustice against the occupation, against the aggression, discrimination that is faced, you know, that Palestinians face. Um, and you have had a few minority um, of people, like you said, shaft idiots that have been saying these things, but we can't take the focus off the good people that went out um, and did it peacefully, the protesting. There have been yeah. so many protests just all over the world as well. It's not just yeah. the yeah. UK. Um, yeah. There have been amazing, amazing protests all over and this is what i'm saying there's a real there seems to be a real shift now in the way people are protesting and they're speaking out and they're just not um mm -hmm. being silent now and i and yeah. i am really happy with this because it means that people are you know engaged and yeah. they're using the democratic rights i mean in those countries that you, yeah. you are allowed to protest obviously um yeah and also um I mean, I was actually in Huddersfield uh, last weekend as well, and I actually saw kind of like the the back end of the protest and people were going and people were actually picking up the litter, picking up the, the banners left behind. And it was, you know, you couldn't tell that there'd been a protest because people were, were so careful picking up um, their mess if they, you know, if they'd made any. So, yeah, so I think, I think people are going to continue. Um, and we're hoping that the ceasefire is going to last now. Um, but now, now is a time where the human costs and everything else is going to be assessed. And you know, we still don't even know how many people were actually killed because people were able to get to the the buildings, and you know, uh, roads were bombed and hospitals and so on. So yeah, so we're well, sorry, hospitals were bombed. Sorry, the the uh, the roads to to hospitals and so on were bombed as well. Aisha, like the protests that we had this week, one of the speakers um, had friends in Gaza and they were saying that it is a ceasefire, but it means a different things for different people. Yeah. And this, now it's a ceasefire, we've got a chance to bury our bodies of our loved ones, of the mothers, of children and everyone. And I don't think we really realise the extent 
of damaging Gaza. Like I said before, there's two million people crammed into that tiny little place. Yeah, yeah. Um, the size of Wales, the, the whole already, of Wales. Already over 90% of the children are either malnutritioned, in severe depression, or traumatised. There's so many children under, like, I think it was a staggering like 50% that, you know, they don't see, they don't have the will to live, you know, because of the trauma from the previous wars. So you have to understand this blockade has to finish. If we want to move forward with this, it has to finish. The people of Gaza can't keep living in this open prison. And we really need to understand this. It's really emotional thinking about this as a mother. But, you know, when you see those kids crying, so terrified, they don't know when their house is going to, you know, you know when it's going to get attacked, and you know, for the mother to see that the kids might not even, they might not even have a future. This is this how they're going to live? Do you know they've not even seen what freedom is. So I think we have to realize that something has to be done. Do you know, and it's nice, nice dialogue and all this, but we have to now have steps to change things. You know, and the way to go forward is sanctions. Um, with you know, and we need to, you know, like I know it's the stand here saying that's bad, that's bad, but we really need to start having seen the governments to start having some kind of steps, um, to deal with this um, violation of international law. Yeah, I think you just hit the nail on the head. Uh, I think that that area needs to go now. I can't really see another solution for it. Um, yeah, we do, we need those drastics. Um, we do, we just need to get to there, really. Unfortunately, the other side will argue that the only thing that's stopping peace from happening are these, you know, rockets that are being fired. And again, that's such a, I mean, look, everybody, I keep on going back to what I said earlier on, that the, you know, people, the sort of other countries need to step in and need to start, um, you know, Doing something because as us as people, we're on the ground. We're not really making much change. We're not. We've been talking about this, you know, for years and years. But the people in power are the ones who can facilitate this change. Who can speak out? Who can compel Israel to abide by, you know, the UN resolutions and international sort of treaties and so on? And until that happens, nothing's going to happen. Nothing will change. And that's where the frustration lies. And remember the occupation. That this aggression, this occupation, violation of human rights, international law started before Hamas was even created. Yes. So we have to remember this has been going on. It's not been going on since Hamas has come into, um, into you know, into government. No, it's happened. It's been happening for over seventy years. Um, so we have to. This is this is not just started now. This has been going on before. So you can't keep using Hamas as an excuse. Uh, you know, this occupation has been going on for a long time before Hamas was even created. You know, that's a, that's a really, really good point there because I think a lot of the times, um, I, you know, just even on social media, it'll, it'll be turned around and it, they'll just say, but Hamas, Israel has to, the right to defend itself because of Hamas. But it's just kind of like, if you... If you look back, that you know why? Why is like even with just recently with what happened with Al Aqsa, like uh, there was, you know, there was um, obviously what was happening, you know, with the, with the stuck grenades and the peaceful worshippers getting attacked again and again and again, and then obviously, you know, Hamas gave out warnings, and then obviously they they went and uh, fired the rockets, um, and you know, it wasn't like they, they did it out of fun. Do you know what I mean? They felt they had no other, other option, um, and like you said. 
before Hamas even existed, this oppression, this, you know, this fascist government, whatever, you know, all the things that they've been doing. Um, th this was all happening way before Hamas came into the picture. Um, and I just like I think I think the main take home from from us is going to sort of be what could what could, we need to sort of do what we could do and uh, to be confident with you know how we um, how basically how we conduct ourselves in you know getting the message across um, to keep our emotions in check because obviously it's such an emotional issue especially as mothers you know of young kids and with I have a not so young for you for you Aisha but you know but that say that the 17 year olds living in Palestine that don't have any um they don't have a future do they and I remember like years and years ago Sherry Blair actually spoke up and said something uh, along those lines about how the youngsters there don't have a future and you know she got bashed for that in the media and I think she ended up having to sort of take that back because she you know they just absolutely um, you know took you know, they absolutely, you know, tore it to pieces for saying that. We've Although got a really entrenched right-wing press. If you look, if you just go on um, the Daily Mail websites and anything like that, and some of the the commentary, some of the way, like the way everything's been reported, it's so biased, it's so one-sided. And that's, it's not just the Daily Mails, it's across, it's, you know, the radio stations, it's, you know, the these right-wing politicians have got so much platform, uh, such a, you know, uh, uh, such big platforms and the right-wing uh, journalists as well. So we've got, we're con that's what we're contending with. And look what's happened earlier on, I mentioned Dua Lipa and uh, Gigi and uh, Bala Hadid as well. You know, they've spoke out and whoever took these ads out in in um, in the states they, they spent a lot of money to do it right they had a lot of money yeah etc et so we are fighting against uh you know uh what i would call um very you know suffering from apathy you know there's a huge amount of people muslim leaders that are totally apathetic they're totally silent they don't want to speak out then we've got a really right-wing press then we've got you know all these other structures that are designed to basically tarnish us and shut us down if we speak out but now on the ground we're seeing a groundswell of people of activists of campaigners you know people speaking out even normal ordinary people um that wouldn't have normally said anything now they're seeing what's happened and they're speaking out so this is this is where we're going to see the change Inshallah, wherever it's going to come, where you know we're compelling the leaders to sit down and find a peaceful solution and just end this occupation, end this war once and for all. So young people, teenagers and uh, small children, and everybody else can just have a chance at a normal life, just like the rest of us. We want it for our children. We want it for ourselves. Obviously, it's the same in Gaza and other, uh, you know, Sheikh Shara and all these other places as well. You know that's so true. I was just um, oh, just before we carry on, uh, you've got actually we've got Mr. Sig. Does he does he want to come on? I don't have message and no. Did you say yes or no? No, he's not responded. Sorry, I think he's Mr. just. Mr. give me a thumbs up. Do you want to come on to the main uh, onto the main platform? Thumbs up if you want to come on. Oh, can you hear me, Mr. Sig? Do you want to come on to the main platform? Yeah, I don't know if you can hear me. Should I just pull him up on the spot? Hey. Sorry, hey, hey, Asha. Hey, welcome yeah. to the podcast. <laughs> um, so, uh, sorry to just kind of throw you in there. Uh, is there anything that you want to sort of say about, uh, you know, with, uh, in terms of this discussion? 
I'm sorry, tell us who you are as well. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm just. Uh, I just work at the Bradford University, and uh, my name is Bahada Bahada Singh. And what it is, you all three of you made some valid points. Yeah, you've covered a lot of stuff there. Yeah, but you but you got to be practical on how we can. You know, the country like Pakistan and Turkey can do a lot for the Muslim world. They can sit with the Arab world and sit down and and get together and put a bit of pressure on Israel and and make some uh, inroads. They're not doing that at the moment. There's only that they're divided. They need to get together and then put a bit of pressure on, and then they can sort things out. We don't like women and children being uh, bombed and dying, stuff like that. You know, it hurts. You know, because we stick up for her humanity. So we we will help anybody, as Aisha knows. You know, we've got aid agencies that are willing to go to uh, Gaza and help. That, but obviously we can't because there's a blockade there. And uh, Egypt are not helping the matter as well. So if you get the Egyptians on side as well, they can they can do something as well, you know. So if you can get people joining together, it's more you you've got more of a say then, you know. So but you guys have covered everything, you know. Um, the political side of things, right? It's just gonna it's just like a vicious circle, just going round and round and round. And every few years they'll start again and they'll start again, and then we go through the same process of rebuilding again. And people dying because Israel will use kind of maximum force. Whatever they've got, they'll use. Yeah, and obviously they proportionally the the Israelis. Um, but as Hamas gets new weapons, they're going to hurt Israel as well because the Iron Dome can't stop everything. So Israel will be forced to sit down eventually and say, "Look, let's sort this out." But with this, the current the Prime Minister of Israel. He's too um, hawkish. He, he, yeah, yeah, he's too hawkish, and uh, he may not may not be the right person. Or the Americans could put a lot of pressure on, and the British can do the same as well. So we need to lobby this side as well and put pressure on and say, look, this cannot go on. This day and age cannot happen because it's been happening for centuries. This this Christian, Muslim, and Jew thing has been going on for ages, a long time. So it needs to be sorted once and for all. And you know, let let everybody live in peace because it's the end of the day, the women and children, you know, and and it just is it can't be right. And that's my take on it. Sorry to interrupt you, Mr. Singh. Um, Chef, I'm gonna I've got another live to do, so I'm gonna have to leave you all. But it was lovely to meet you, Aisha, and thank, um, thank you, you again, Chef, for the you know for the opportunity. Um, Thank you. Towards, I was just going to round up now. Anyway, um, we oh, usually do this for half an hour, but um, <laughs> we're up to an hour. So thank you all for joining us. And, okay, thank you. I know it has really. Uh, it's been a really insightful discussion. Um, thank you, Joanny, for coming on, and yourself, Aisha, and thank you, Mr. Singh, for just joining us in the, uh, there as well. Um, yeah, and uh, we hope that the uh, listeners find this beneficial. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Take care. Thank you so much. Thanks for thanks for inviting me on. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Please like, subscribe and share. Bye.